Hello, everyone. This is Russ, the gray-haired preacher, coming to you from Oaklawn United Methodist Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And today, get out your Bibles, and we are going to look at chapter 10 in the book of Acts, chapter 10. And we've told you that Acts is uh, the second half of Luke's gospel. It's what happens after the time of Jesus with the first uh, apostles. So chapter 10 begins, In Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household, and he gave his alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon, at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming in and saying, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he answered, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon, who's called Peter. He's lodging with Simon a tanner, who is by the seaside. And when the angel spoke to him, he had left. And he called two of his slaves, a devout soldier from the ranks of those who had served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. So Cornelius is a Roman. He's a, a Roman centurion, an, an officer, a man of, of, of great power and authority. So this is once again an example of, um, of Luke saying that the gospel is not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles, it's for the Romans, those who occupied Israel, those who were considered the, the enemy. And um, uh, Cornelius, notice, is a righteous man. He prays and he gives alms to the poor. And this was certainly um, what um, it was considered uh, to be a good man and a, and a good Jew. And so the angel goes. And about noon the next day, they were on their journey and approaching the city, and Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry, and he wanted to eat, and while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven open, and he's something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners, and in it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and, and birds in the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, I've, I've never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken away. So this is an interesting picnic, as it were. If any of you have ever had a friend who is Orthodox Jewish or conservative Jewish person, they keep kosher. And this means no pork. You cannot eat shrimp or lobster or shellfish or clams or crabs. Um, uh, so my goodness, a very um, different thing. Something that um, was certainly part of the of Leviticus. All the dietary codes are there, but it's it's very interesting to see who keeps kosher, and many people still to this day. One of the the laws in Leviticus says that you absolutely cannot mix dairy with uh, meat because the notion is how ridiculous you are eating the the meat of a cow and then you're using the milk or the uh, the cheese and um, 
You cannot do that. So an all-American cheeseburger is not kosher. Now, to this day, were you to go and and my family and I... uh, 20 years ago, went to Baltimore uh, to be guest of an Orthodox Jewish family, and they carried us out to eat, and um, we had to learn how to wash our hands publicly uh, because that's part of the law. And my son Gabriel, I believe the first thing he ordered was a cheeseburger, and I knew that wasn't kosher. So I asked our hostess, uh, how, how is that possible? And she said, oh, well... It's non-dairy cheese. Have you ever tried to have cheese that doesn't have dairy in it? And then Gabriel ordered a chocolate milkshake. And when he got it, he was like, Dad, this tastes kind of strange. And of course, it was a non-dairy chocolate milkshake. Chocolate was okay. You simply couldn't have dairy. Now, it would have been okay to have had cheese and a milkshake together, but you couldn't combine that with the meat of the cow. Kind of considered disrespectful, but a uh, a law. And so when Peter sees like the owls and the hawks and all of these birds that were unclean, all these reptiles, lizards, snakes, and all manner of food, as, an, as, a, as a Jewish man, he would never have eaten such things. But the vision told him three things, uh, three times, Peter, take and eat, the Lord says, take and eat. So you can see that this new faith, Christianity, is leaving behind some of its Jewish ways and traditions. And um, the, the Jews who are followers of Christ are forming just the beginning of a new religion. And, um, and the issue is, what will they keep? What will they give away? But one of the things that they did stop doing is... Uh, eating kosher. So every Christian, and if you certainly think in the American South, imagine um, sausage and pork chops and spare ribs and all of these things, or lobster, all of these things that are absolutely forbidden were we to keep kosher. Um, now, um, we we certainly can eat, but um, but this is the the response. We can call it Peter's picnic and say it wasn't a kosher picnic, but it took three times for that vision for Peter, and it probably took him the rest of his life to realize that the old law, some of it was passing away, and other parts of it would be would be kept. And then on the uh, on the next day. Peter gets up and he goes with the believers from um, uh, Joppa and they come to Caesarea, which is a beautiful uh, seaside city. And Cornelius is expecting them and he calls them together. And And once Peter meets uh, Cornelius, Cornelius, Cornelius falls at the feet and worships him. And, and Peter says, look, I'm, I'm a mortal. And Peter preaches the gospel and um and Cornelius says, you know, and I'm in verse 30, four days ago at this very hour at three o'clock, I was praying when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me and he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter, and he's staying in the home of Simon a Tanner by the sea. Therefore, I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come so that all of us here in the presence of God are here to listen 
to what the Lord has commanded you to say. And Peter begins to preach Christ to the Roman, to the Gentile, and um, everyone listens and and the entire household be, believes. And in verse 44, when Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the words and the Jewish or circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Romans, even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter said, can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So Peter ordered the Romans, Cornelius and his family to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And they invited uh, Peter, uh, then Cornelius's family invited Peter to stay for several days. So this again is the, the act of the church moving beyond uh, the the Jewish sect and going into all the world and and we've already seen the Ethiopian convert so that's an example of of the faith is going to Africa and now the faith can travel to Rome and throughout the Roman Empire uh, so you're watching how faith goes and and what a what a huge thing but in this chapter 10 we we notice Peter, giving up some of the, the the dietary laws that he had been taught through his special vision and, and picnic. And we see Cornelius, a Roman, a Gentile, a pagan, but someone who loved God, reaching out and Peter converting him to Christ. And so we have the beginning of this new world faith called Christianity. And it's easy to see with Cornelius, um, how very soon Christianity will spread throughout the Roman Empire. In three centuries, Rome converts and Christianity becomes the official faith of the Roman Empire when the Emperor Constantine converts, and I think it's 333. So, um, what an interesting story. Um, and um, just remember... Um, if you have friends who are Jewish, uh, ask them because the Reformed or the Restorationist Jews may or may not care about keeping kosher. But if you have a friend who is Orthodox or uh, conservative, don't be afraid about um, inviting them to join you in a restaurant. Um, many of, um, of, um, of my friends who are Jewish have told me, don't make a big deal about it. If y'all go somewhere and it's not kosher, then I can get a Coca-Cola and I can enjoy your company. Or there are some restaurants, and certainly if you're in um, New York City or in New England, there are many restaurants that are kosher and uh, you can then go and enjoy those places with people of all faiths. And for our Muslim friends, it's halal and halal is very much like kosher food um so it's a it's a similar kind of kind of thing so the next time you eat you don't have to worry if you're a uh, uh, a christian if the food is kosher or not but just recognize that there are people that have um, for centuries uh exercised their faith by the very food that they eat 
Uh, Thank you, and God bless. And that is chapter 10 of the book of Acts.